Welcome to this series from Resurrection Life Church in Granville, Michigan. Uh, thank you for allowing me to begin, Bernie. Thanks for letting me speak again on Wednesday night. I need to start by telling you that um, when I was asked to speak, you know, on these two Wednesdays and then on Sunday morning, as I was putting it all together, that thing's not going to go back on there, so we'll just leave it alone. When I was putting it all together, and I'm not saying this to manipulate or coerce or anything like that, I just felt like the Lord laid on my spirit that he was going to really do a cool thing in people's lives tonight as part of this little series from Daniel that the Lord was really going to work in our lives tonight. And I know that when you come to church on Wednesday night, you're like serious about church. You know, people who go Sunday morning once a month, they're church people, but you're church people. You know, you're, you're, you, don't, you don't come on Wednesday night accidentally. You made a decision. You want to be here and you want to grow in the Lord. And so I don't... I've already told them, you know, I don't know how this service is going to end. I'm, I'm anticipating I'll probably have a time where you can come to the altar because here's what we're going to do. We've had two weeks. Last Wednesday night, we talked about Daniel interpreting Nebuchadnezzar's dream. Sunday morning, we talked about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego standing up in the presence of the king and standing for Almighty God even when everybody else wasn't. Nebuchadnezzar being kind of called out by God that he was worshiping the wrong God, worshiping himself. And here's, uh, just talking with Pastor Dwayne, Bernie, and Scott, we were back in the back there. there there's something going on at churches these days where, I, I know, I, I'm like you, I go to church sometimes. And, well, I go to church a lot. I'm saying where I attend and I'm not preaching. I come here sometimes. And I'll tell you something I do. It's not fair. It's not right. But I do it. I do it. The last time I came here, Pastor Dwayne was preaching. We left. We get in the car. Here's a pretty common thing that happens in our car when we leave. Hey, Jane, what'd you think? So I said, Pastor Dwayne's sitting right here. He knows what I'm saying right now. And I got in the car and I said to Jane, what'd you think? And you know what we kind of mentally do? We compare it to the last sermon we heard him preach or the next sermon or that. We compare more than thinking about how that scripture applies in a practical way to our life. We compare. What, do you think it was good as last week's sermon? I don't know that one illustration. Did you follow that illustration? He's telling that thing about Jeannie. Did you, do you know what he meant by that? Do you think they were squabbling? I mean, it, all of a sudden, you aren't even talking about the scripture. You're wondering what's going on in Dwayne and Jeannie's house. And I think that's becoming part of our culture because we are, ready, entertained. I mean, just about every night, I've been entertained by the Olympics this week. I mean, I go home and thank God for DVR. I don't have to live through all those stories of how the person got to that place in their life and I can just watch them actually jump. <laughs> but DVR is awesome. And I'm entertained. I, I, have, I can't jump high hurdles, but I can watch them do it. I can't swim like Michael Phelps, but I can watch him do it. And I think there's come this thing up with us that, you know, I... I can't really live like those people in the Bible, but I love to hear their stories. And I wonder 
what difference these two weeks have made in your life. Not because of my preaching, but what has God actually done through the story of Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and Nebuchadnezzar? What's God shown you? Sunday after the sermon, um, got in the car, Anna's here with me tonight, we got in the car, we were going to lunch, and I said to her, what did God show you today in this message? Like, if you were thinking about the whole message overall, what would you say God did right here in your heart? And we talked about that. And I'm sure many of you do that. But is anything changing? Is the word of God shaping you? There was this dude that went to my home church, uh, Mount Olivet Wesleyan Church. We would have, on our big Sundays at Mount Olivet, a um, little church in Six Mile, South Carolina. I mean, when we had friend day, we would have like maybe 30, 32. It was big. And we'd pack the first couple of rows out on friend day. It was awesome. Small church. Small church. And there was this dude that came to church. Fred was his name. I remember seeing Fred since I was that high, all the way up to the height thing right now. He passed away a few years ago. He sat right over there. He never sang one time. I remember as a little kid, I'd cut my eyes back and say, is Fred moving today? Nope, dead Fred. I mean, it was just no, no movement. And I, I, I remember saying to my mom, mom, why does he come? Nah, it's just his routine. And I, I don't want this to be routine for you. I want you to listen to these stories and I want you to say, Lord, what, are you, what would you teach me from these things? And how would my life be different? How might I be a better person? Because I listen to the word of God. And so what I've done for tonight, I don't know what the Lord's gonna do tonight. I, I fully anticipate that at some point somebody might come up here and just kneel down and pray. I, I don't know what's going to happen and I'm not telling you what's going to happen because I don't know either. Jane said to me several times today, are you ready to preach? And I said, no. She asked me at four o'clock, we left our daughter's house, Dan, are you ready to preach? No. She said, what do you mean? I said, it's just not there. Because I said, I think God's going to do something tonight at Res that I don't get. And so I'm going to start preaching what I have, and then we're going to trust that the Lord is going to do his thing in your life. Because what I did was I took this time to think about it. Now, I want you to know it's not because I haven't prepared. I've got a sermon here. We're going to go through this sermon. But what I did was I took this time. I cut my grass today uh, over the course of, you know, since Sunday and even before that, I was thinking, Lord, what is it? from this story that you would want the, the average person that attends at Res, what would you want them to do different? And here were, the, here were the things I wrote down and I'm gonna share them with you and I'm gonna talk to you about them. The first one is this, make sure if you, you, are ever in a position of power, you don't use it for your glory. Nebuchadnezzar was a man of power and he worked it in his favor. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were, they kept getting power because they would do these amazing miracles and perform things that only God could have done. And because of that, they were given more and more authority. Nebuchadnezzar would say, Daniel, I'm going to exalt you even higher. And Daniel would say, well, it's not about me still. I don't want people to worship me. And Nebuchadnezzar's over there going, really? I don't get it. I mean, I want people to worship me. 
And Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, it's not about us. In your house, where you live, um, I'm going to start with the dads in the room. We'll, we'll go through the whole category. Dads first. Probably some of you have some power there. Do you use that for your favor? Would your family say you're more like Nebuchadnezzar or more like Daniel? Because see, we all live with Nebuchadnezzar and we go, what kind of a ruler is that? Your family might be sitting in the car going, what kind of a ruler are you? If we could name you, we wouldn't call you dad, we'd call you Neb. Because you try to run the show all the time. It's about you, dad, and you can't see it. Mom. We live in a day where a, a lot of ladies are really crazy about power. It's not a political statement. It's just true. And I'm telling you, it's not about you. This whole, this whole book of Daniel, the point of it is, it's not about you. And, and I want to just say, for some of you in your workplace, if you're in a position of power, and people know that you attend res and you're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, can you be a Daniel-type leader? Can you make sure you don't lord it over others? I had a boss when I first graduated college. My degree is in accounting. And I had a boss. Uh, his name was Mr. Bailey. He's since passed. But he was the meanest boss in the world. I, it, I worked for him for two years. And I can remember I got to a place where my phone on my desk, when it would ring, when it would ring and I could see it was him, I literally would have like panic feeling. Like, oh no, what's he going to do to me? It was awful. And I remember after two years, the Lord had called me to go into ministry and I told him about it and I was scared to tell him I was going into ministry. Not, he wasn't going to hurt me. He was, just, he was just mean. He said mean things. He was kind of abusive with his words. He would degrade me with his words. And I remember, and I remember my last day with him, I went into his office and I said, well, Mr. Bailey, my time working for you is done. And I said, I do have a question for you. I said, maybe a lot of people have never asked you this, but why? Why are you so hard on us sometimes? I said, you were so hard. You said mean things to me a lot of times. He started laughing. And I'm like, Mr. Bailey, I don't get it. I mean, it wasn't funny to me. Why'd you do it? And he said, I just tell you needed to be toughened up a little bit. That's his whole purpose. And you know why he could do that? He had all power over me. He had all authority over me. And when you live and work and act that way, I want to tell you, I want to tell, oh, there are times you have to be correcting. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about using your words to degrade and bemoan your family and the people you work with. It's a fairly good sized audience tonight. Somebody in here, in your family, you're using words that just crushes people in your family. You got to stop. In my family this week, there was someone who used some words, and I, I had pre-decided that when this person did this, I was going to say the same words in conversation back to them, and they were in shock. They're like, Dad, why did, you, why did you do that? And I'm like, I'm just trying to show you what it can feel like. And I said, there are words you need to lose in your vocabulary 
because it hurts. And I think that Nebuchadnezzar said whatever he wanted to say, did whatever he wanted to do, and didn't care where the chips fell. But I don't think Daniel was that way. And I think it's because Daniel was a follower of God. And I think it's because Daniel wanted to set another example. And I'm asking you tonight, who are you most like in the way you give leadership? Daniel or Nebuchadnezzar? To me, this is the practical reality of how this message hits home. I told you, I was just mowing my grass, talking to the Lord. Here's the second little thing he laid on my heart. This is a good one. We spend too much time in our life we spend too much of the time of our lives treating the symptoms and not dealing with the issues. Let me explain this. Nebuchadnezzar caused chaos all around him. He would change, I want a statue built, we'll worship it. And then I showed you how the miracle happened. Everybody serve God, I'll cut you to pieces. The people who were following Nebuchadnezzar had to be like, what is, what's today? What's today's agenda? And, and the whole reason it was all over the place and it was kind of a Jekyll Hyde, the whole reason, I'll tell you why, Nebuchadnezzar had a God problem. He had a heart problem. His heart wasn't completely given to God Almighty. Some of you in this room tonight, you, you're all over the place. Some days you're doing fantastic. Other days you're doing terrible. I would suggest to you, check and see if you have a God problem. See if he's completely in control of your life. Do you live for him some days all in and then the next day like 25%? Well, if you're doing the 25% days, don't be surprised if the next morning you wake up feeling about 75% messed up. We don't have, like, like, from my opinion, we don't have a racism issue in our country. We've got a heart issue in our country. Because you need to evaluate your heart. If you love everybody in this nation the same way God loves them, there is no racism. Because God's not racist. It's a heart issue. Our hearts aren't in tune with what God the Father thinks and does and live, wants us to live like. And I think it's because we want to deal with the symptoms. In our, do y'all notice this in our society? We deal with all the symptoms and nobody ever actually talks about the issue. This happens in our own individual lives. And we wonder what's wrong with us and it's a God problem. The, the areas of my life where I'm really weak, there's an area of my life where I'm really weak. Jane helps me with it a lot, you know, encourages me through it, et cetera, et cetera struggle with it this week in a, in a certain point. And I remember, right after I'd gone through the struggle with it, the Lord kind of slapped me across the head and said, Dan, I told you, turn to me in that moment. You didn't do that again. It's funny, huh? See, even children get it. And that's, that's, that's the problem. Sometimes Dan Seaborn's heart, though I completely love Jesus, sometimes I do my own thing. It just never works out. 
I don't know about you, but for me, it can happen in the snap of a moment. You guys, I don't know if any of you ever have to, because I know you live right in this area. Maybe you don't have to get on 196. But do you know, you know, 196 is kind of clogged up right after the exit to come to church. Anna and I were thanking God that you were right off 44th Street exit because that next exit looked terrible tonight. You come from Highland right now, 196 bogs down right at your exit. But the other day, I was going to Grand Rapids. This is like Dan confession time. And we were all kind of in one lane, kind of, you know, waiting for things. And here comes this guy, just, he was going to get hit of everybody. He was coming down that road. And I don't know what clicked in my head, but I just thought to myself, uh-uh. Uh-uh. He's not going to buy me. So I just waited. For him. He's coming really fast. I waited. Last I'd buy myself, Jane, Jane, I told Jane the story. She goes, honey. I'm like, I know if you'd been in the car, I would have got smacked. I mean, I, it was not nice what I did. I went right over on him and he kept trying to get, I pushed him all the way right over to the guardrail. And I told Jane, I said, I had made up my decision. I was going to Jeff Gordon him right in that guardrail if I had to. I just made up my mind. And instead, I, I pulled, this is what's hilarious, okay? And I pulled back out on the road. He's behind me, you know, doing this thing. I think he was using the first finger. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I'm thinking to myself, wow, I preach like a mile from here. What if those people saw me right now? <laughs> and then it occurred to me, well, God's looking. <laughs> and this, that's how quick it happens for me. All it took was a glance in the rear view going, uh-uh. Y'all relate? That's how quick. See, in here, like right now, I'm not going to do anything bad. Y'all are looking. I'm doing really good. I'm very godly. And it, it's funny, isn't it? You get out there on 196 and it changes. <laughs> and this is life. This is the challenge of life. And, and when Dan Seaborn has problems... I treat the symptoms when I need to be saying, God, I just need to see that my heart is not completely yours and I, I struggle here. Help me. Help me. Because the reality is the person behind me in that car might attend here, Rez. They might have recognized the back of my head and said, I'll never listen to his sermons again. <laughs> And then I just, you know, I've got this big sticker that says Vanderclock on the back of my car. I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Our heads do look similar though, Dwayne. <laughs> but the bottom line is, is your heart completely God's? Completely. I'll close with a scripture tonight that has that word completely in it. That's a big deal. These are just things I think we have to look at these two people in this scripture and say, the two godly people, Daniel, Shadrach, we have to learn from their lives. That's why this scripture is in the Bible, so we can learn from it. Third point, when you look at these stories, the one I shared last Wednesday, the one I shared Sunday, this is something that I learned as a child. You guys have heard this little phrase all your life, and I'm going to explain it to you tonight, and some of you could do it. The cream always rises to the top. See this churn over here? It's my grandma's churn. I have this little area in my house. Um, 
called a heritage area where I have pictures of my grandparents and I have a few little relics from my grandfather's barn and I have this churn because oh my goodness gracious when I see this churn does it bring back memories of my grandma taking this off got this old churner in here and she'd pour I would go and milk the cows I, I literally milked them I loved to milk I'd still like to do that that's fine you, you guys ever done this raise your hand up real high oh yeah y'all yeah, get it and so we'd pour the milk all in here and you know I never really understood that but after you churn it you you take it out like this and, and you take that buttermilk and you, you put that churn in there and you just grandma would do this for um I want to say, anybody remember a time? I'd say for her it took about two hours. It's right here. Going up and down in that milk, just churn, churn, churn. Grandma, what you doing? Churning. What's that for, Grandma? You like butter, don't you, boy? I love butter, Grandma. This is how you make butter, son. Churn. Come over here and churn. I'm good, Grandma. I'll go outside. <laughs> and Grandma churned. And you don't churn like ten times. That's another thing about us. We want it now. Now, churning is a process. And then you take that off and you, I, I can still remember my grandma just with her old raw hand just reaching in there and taking that butter off and putting it in. And she had a little thing she formed it in, a little cup, had little designs on it. She'd do that and put it in the refrigerator and make that cool butter. Any, any of y'all um, in a situation in life right now where y'all are in here and this is what it's feeling like? You're getting churned. Well, the, the cream will rise to the top. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they rose to the top. They were in a churn. They were put through it, man. They were put through it for a long time. And the cream rose to the top. I just told you two amazingly crazy stories of how God did miracles. And I'm saying to you again tonight, if you are churning... You might be the cream. You're getting creamed, but you might be the cream. I like that kind of thinking. Because I don't like the churning, but I like the result of it. I didn't want to do it. I just wanted to eat the results. And some of you are in a spot where um, the old stick is going up and down. You know, I, I, this is maybe what this Wednesday night is about. That's why I'm kind of talking slow here. Somebody gets, gets this feeling. Somebody knows exactly what I'm talking about when I say this. Something in your family is doing this to you. I just, uh, if I can say this, Anna's sitting here. She, she won't mind me saying this. Um, I leaned over to her as we were singing worship, because y'all been praying for her, and two years ago, she, I said, two years ago, baby, you wouldn't have been standing here by me worshiping the Lord. I said, man, it's a good feeling, because we went through the churn, but the cream has risen now, and the Lord has prevailed, and everything's okay, and Ann and I came to church together night, had some killer chicker fingers back there, and then we're gonna drive home together, and we don't have to go 196 east. <laughs> and I thank the Lord. I thank the Lord Jesus. Because we've been churned, but we survived. And maybe somebody here tonight needs to just hear that good word that you hang in there. The cream will rise to the top if you'll continue to rely on the Lord. Because that's what Daniel 
and the three Hebrew boys did. They, you guys, you will not look through these chapters of scripture and find them giving up. They did not. They hung in there. And that was not easy stuff they were going through. The stress on them would have been crazy. But the cream rises to the top. Fourth little point. I like this little point. Wise people recognize their flaws and admit them. I want to show you something because we don't, we don't necessarily think of Nebuchadnezzar is wise, but you need to know, and I'm, I'm going to finish and tell you how Nebuchadnezzar's life ended tonight. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar really was a pretty wise man. He did foolish things, but he was a wise man. And one of the reflections of that is when you read in, in Daniel chapter 3 and verse 28, after the three Hebrew boys had defied him, he said, Praise be to God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants when he took them out of the fiery furnace. They trusted, listen to this, they trusted in God and defied the king's command. He's talking about himself. He's standing there going, praise God that these three young boys looked at me and said, no. Well, that was pretty wise. And... Have you ever met a leader who couldn't admit their mistakes? Have you ever heard about one? Y'all ever watch one on CNN lately? <laughs> Trying to hint here. I, I just need a leader who when they're wrong can say, I just want to admit I'm wrong. Because when you can own it and when you can admit your flaws, God can do something through your life. Because I want to, let me see if I can find anybody here that's got flaws. All of you. All of you. You might think I'm the freak driving on 196, but I bet y'all ain't perfect either. Because we all got flaws. And when you readily can admit, and here's what I mean by that. When somebody tells you one of yours to work on, in your family, one of them says, hey, here's a little something you can work on. If, if you want to know how good you are with this, check yourself. If your first statement back is, well, you got problems too. That's called being a little too defensive. Just admit it. Even Nebuchadnezzar, this man who was bizarre in some of his decisions, was able to see that he had a flaw. And, and I, don't, I don't know if you guys have noticed this story. God used Nebuchadnezzar all throughout this story. With all of his flaws and all of his weaknesses, God still used him. That gives us hope. As flawed and messed up as you are, God can use you. But you got to be willing. You got to have a heart that's teachable. Number five, get involved somewhere so God has a chance to use your life. I preached here last Wednesday. I preached here on Sunday and Saturday night too. I just drove on the campus and drove off and I saw hundreds of volunteers. Um, somebody came up to me after Sunday morning and said, Dan, um, 
some of the people who I usually use on Wednesday night to help me with stuff, they're asking if they can go, they want to hear, you know, what you're going to talk about with Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel a little bit more. And they said, we're going to miss those volunteers helping in a certain area of ministry. I want to explain something to you. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, okay, they're part of this book called Daniel because they got involved. And I want to tell you, you're at a church that needs you to get involved. I, I don't know if you guys, you guys go here regularly, but I want to explain something to you. If you're new to the Granville area and you walk on the Res Life campus, I want to tell you one of the things you can feel. Lost. This place is huge. You, you imagine being a first time, probably somebody is a first time guest here tonight and you're thinking, oh, this isn't the main sanctuary. Oh, shoot, no, this is just a little like miniature sanctuary. <laughs> Anna said that to me and I said, dad, how many sanctuaries they got? I don't know, I don't know. We'll see another one tonight. And if you were one, I, I talked about how our society has come into theatrical, so we come and watch the theater of Sunday or the theater of Wednesday night, then we leave and get in our cars. Hey, I want to tell you all something. These guys are involved in the story because they were in the story. You want to be a part of what God's doing here at Res Life and what he's doing for his kingdom through Res Life? Get involved. Serve. Look for an opportunity. There are lots of them. Be involved. Say, God, where could I be a Daniel? Where could I be a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? And you got to get this. You got to get this. If you get involved, understand you'll find out about flaws. Churches are full of flaws. Church leaders got problems. We all have problems. We all have issues. Churches aren't perfect because we're imperfect people but stay involved look for an opportunity to serve here at res i know that you are the crowd that is more committed so from this group could become some awesome daniels shadrachs meshach and abednegoes that could be shapers for the years ahead think about where you could get involved seriously consider doing that Somebody came up to me on Sunday morning and said, hey, Pastor Dan, one of the last times you spoke here, you told us about something, being involved. And they said, we got involved and we're having a blast. We, we've given a lot of our income to help needy families. We've seen this, we've seen that. And I, I'm like, you guys, that's so awesome because that's, that's what it's about. And I ask you tonight to consider where you might serve here at Res to make a difference for the kingdom and to build the body as a whole. And then I want to tell you how Nebuchadnezzar's life ends. It, I'd like you to go on and read more in the book of Daniel on your own because it's really fun reading. But Nebuchadnezzar went through some more stuff. He had taken, when his, the king of Babylon, he had taken over some of the private personal Israelite belongings uh, like the churns and, and the goblets and that kind of stuff and he had stored them away and then there was a story you might remember the, the, the words the writing on the wall well that comes from Daniel chapter 4 because Nebuchadnezzar had to learn some more lessons and the Bible even talks about how Nebuchadnezzar goes through uh, Belshazzar is a family member. It just it keeps going, guys. Just, just keep reading about all this stuff, how it just keeps getting passed on and on. 
But Nebuchadnezzar ends up near the end of his life because God showed him this was going to happen to him, um, living outside with the animals. He ate grass. Listen to me, guys. This king who had all power ate grass. His body was covered with the dew of the, of the rains and the ground around him. He lived, he lived basically like a wild animal. It said that his hair on his body grew like that. And, and his fingernails were so long they looked more like, like hooves or like you know, claws. That was his life for a while. And then God restored him to full power. You need to read the story. God restored him to full power. Even more powerful king than he had been before. And then the Bible concludes his life and it appears that Nebuchadnezzar ended up his life dying of old age. No drastic, no crazy thing. But I want to read to you from Daniel chapter 4 verse 37 what he said at the very end of his life. Listen to this. I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven because, listen to this, everything God does is right and all his ways are just and those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. Nebuchadnezzar finished his life by saying, hey, y'all, listen up. I thought I was somebody, but God showed me it ain't about me. And I want to just tell you, that's a mighty lesson for you to learn from God. And I believe tonight, you know, we need to finish this thing by just coming and standing and praying around this. I, I don't know. I, I, I'm just telling you, I'm, there are times you finish a message, and I know Pastor Wayne, Bernie, Scott, Jake, they feel this too. There's time, you're not sure exactly how to end it. I got that feeling. But I want to read a scripture to you that I know the Lord laid on my heart to share with you. It says this. In 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9, there's another story about a king, King Asa. And in the story of that king, it says this. The eyes of the Lord move to and fro. Man, this, is, this morning, this was just grasping me. The eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth that he may strongly support those who are completely his. Here's my question. As God's eyes are darting around tonight, who's he seeing going, completely mine? Not 95%. 100%, you're mine, you're mine, you're mine, you're mine. And here's what my devotions for myself this morning were, Lord, help me to stay all in with you. Because it's easy for me to go in. I'm in 90%. And Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, 100%ers. Even to the point of being willing to die. And I'm calling you tonight to ask you, are you a 100%er? Will you just be completely in? Jared, I don't know where you are, but if you can hear me, I want you to come out here with your guitar a minute and... Just start playing softly. Thank you. Um, and I'm going to kind of open this front up for you just to come and stand along here. You can stand right in your seat. You can sit in your seat. You don't have to do anything for me. It's nothing to do me. But I just thought I want to give you an opportunity to reflect and say, Lord, what are you trying to tell me through these two weeks and now tonight? And I want to be obedient. So we're going to close it out with just giving you the opportunity to kneel stand whatever you want to do I'm just saying the eyes of the Lord are looking over us is there a Daniel here
Is there a Shadrach here? Is there a Meshach? Is there an Abednego? Does God find anybody worthy of his awesome power? I got a ways to go, ladies and gentlemen. I got a ways to go. But if God has spoken to your heart, would you come stand, come kneel, whatever you want to do. Jared, just play for a little bit and then sing a little something as you feel is appropriate. And then pastors, uh, uh, Pastor Scott, if you want to come up and close it out again, just be obedient. If the Lord has spoken to you, come and stand, come and kneel, whatever you'd like to do.